put on the kettle and take a seat petal because it's time for some tea with Francie and B. Hi 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 back again apologies for the three week break after our lengthy two pods we decided we obviously deserved a holiday but don't worry we are back on schedule because we really truly missed all 12 of you listeners so so very much. Um but we hope you're enjoying the sunshine and you're all coping with the new lockdown measures. Uh, who's excited for the pubs to open on the 4th of July? We certainly are. Yeah, I know that the 4th of July is technically like an important, important American holiday, Independence Day or whatever. But I feel like that sentiment is now playing second fiddle to boozy Brit Independence Day. We've been awarded our freedom. You can go to the pub, get pissed in the pub garden. And um, that's something to celebrate, you know. But all joking aside, this lifting of some of the lockdown restrictions by no means signals, you know, the end of the pandemic. It's still super important to be aware of hygiene, you know, wash your hands, wear a mask um, and and social distancing to make sure we can enjoy our new freedoms safely. Uh, But this week we will be discussing, you know, whether you're a girl's girl, a.k.a. a Jennifer Aniston or a boy's girl, a.k.a. (laughs) a.k.a. a.k.a. Angelina Jolie. Mm, So here's the thing. There is a big fundamental difference between girls, girls and boys, girls. But we are not saying throughout this whole pod that this difference is bad at all. We're not shitting on one side or the other. Yeah, exactly. It's very much a spectrum. You don't have to be either or. It's not two teams. It's not Team Edward, Team Jacob. None of that bullshit. You can very much fall into both or somewhere in the middle. You know, it's all good. Yeah, no, totally agree. The Jenny Ann and the Angie Joe theory did come about very early on uh, in, in Freshers' Week at uni. You know how it is. Everyone is making friends and some people naturally gravitate towards some people more than others. An easy distinction to make in this is some people feel more comfortable around girls and others feel more comfortable around boys. Um, and I think some people can find girls can be a tad bitchy and catty at times and some people think boys are honestly quite immature. Or for whatever personal reason some people have, um, it is quite an instinctive reaction to unknown and new situations. Yeah, for sure. There's no one right side to be on. We basically have a sense that somewhere in the middle is about right, but there are good and bad things about both. Mm, totally. For example, I truly believe I'm the ultimate girl's girl, but actually I do probably fall very much in the middle as I do love a boy mate to keep me kind of grounded and, you know, on my feet. Um, but then again, I would pick a girl's film night over a drink in the pub with the boys. So, you know, it really swings and roundabouts. Yeah, and also this is very light-hearted. We just think it's an interesting dynamic to discuss and observe. It's not our life, life's work. We're not trying to Freud all of you. We're literally just chatting about what we see and do ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a typical Francie and Bees in the office, really, psychoanalyzing everything from like a haircut to a breakup kind of vibe. Yeah, literally. So this conversation between the two of us, I have to say nobody else was interested. We thought it was <laughs> riveting. Emerged in our early freshest life when on nights out, we'd shout across a club to a gal pal who is, uh, let's call it for Kate's benefit, otherwise engaged. We'd shout, all right, Ange, or... <laughs> we'd shout, all right, Ange, or Jenny wouldn't approve. And France looked at me like, literally what you're talking about and I would like to point out that this instance you know this girl's frolicking does not particularly represent Angie behavior you know you gals are welcome to fraternize to your heart's content as long as it doesn't isn't of detriment to others yeah so these exclamations on the dance floor were just a bit of a giggle really yeah no completely 
I just really feel like the Jenny Ann and Angie Jolie theory encapsulates this whole thing perfectly. Hollywood's golden couple, Jen and Brad, were ripped apart by Angie when she and Mr. Pitt were filming Mr. and Mrs. Smith as our darling, darling Jen slept soundly in their marital bed. Breaks my heart. Um, now, obviously, this paints Angie as a home-wrecking, heartbreaking whore, and this is definitely not dramatic. <laughs> no, it is a little dramatic. And it's not a reflection of her true character, um, as evidenced by her extensive work with UNICEF and UN Women, etc., etc. Like, she's a pretty good gal, really. Um, just let us use this as an example for the sake of the theory. We know that she is more than just the reason for Jenny Ann and, and Brad Pitt's divorce. Yeah, and following from this, Jen, as America's and the world's sweetheart, represents all things good and innocent and sweet. You know, the girl next door who you can't help but love. Angie, on the other hand, represents a self-interested, boy-obsessed flirt who gives little thought to the feelings of others. Completely agree. Um, but quick disclaimer, Mr. Pitt does not get off lightly in this theory. He is the ultimate self-indulgent man-whore who, although has <laughs> aged very well... Uh, has ultimately ended up alone and should be a lesson to all of us. From this point forth, he will be referred to as Mr. Shit. Yes, that's just a little shout out to all you fuckboys out there. Even if you remain <laughs> handsome, you will end up alone, okay? Beauty fades, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from his hasn't, actually, that part of the point, isn't it? It will oh, eventually. Well. <laughs> yeah, he'll get fat, it'll be fine. Yes, he is the epitome of a patriarchal society's tendency to pit strong women against each other. Pit, lol. Um, and yes, we realise, you know, that's exactly what we're doing with this theory, but like, just get over it for just five minutes, all right? Also, if there weren't already enough disclaimers, we have given the two ends of our, you know, girl spectrum, these characters, for descriptive purposes, not because we think these women actually embody these traits. Like, yeah, Angie works for the UN. Jen, when she's drunk, might be super annoying. We don't know, but... Who's to, who's to tell? Who's to tell? Exactly. No, so a couple of experiences I've had that might best exemplify what we're talking talking about on less of a Hollywood scale and more of a like interpersonal, like mundane livelihood that I lead um, is one of my best friends. Shout out Ellie Hunt. She will adore that shout out. I'll just say it again, Ellie Hunt. Shout out. Um, who I would say along the spectrum leans more towards the boy girl. Uh, she loves boys. I mean, just in general. I, I will just reiterate that. She loves boys. Also has an abundance of close boy mates because, well, she loves crude chat. She, she takes banter phenomenally well. And other than getting her nails done every week, she isn't into massively stereotypically, and I put this in quotation marks, girly things. I also think she just prefer, prefers boy humour, less serious less serious chats and cheap laughs, really. That, that's what the boys give her. Having said this, she has a select group of close gal pals who she loves to hang with too. Um, but the reason I would say she is more of a boys girl fundamentally is because she feels very comfortable around boys, perhaps more so than new girls that she, you know she's not come across before. Might have to get her on the pod just to make sure I'm not spreading lies about her uh, so she can clarify this. But I'd feel, as a friend, that she doesn't really change her demeanour or her conversations when she's around either boys or girls. And I can personally say that, the, that in the company of boys, I don't know very well. I will fully hands up admit that I do change my persona slightly. I'm probably less weird, less loud, less in your face. Um, so I would say I'm more conscious of a boy presence than I am a girl's presence. Uh, whereas I don't feel like Ellie, shout out Ellie Hunt, um, 
is like that at all. So that's that's why I would describe her as more of a boys girl. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I'm also fundamentally a girls girl, probably even more so than you are. Mm-hmm. But I love hanging out with my guy mates once I know them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I am definitely different around new boys. I tell them like five years old, don't I? Although I think I, I am also boys. consciously... <laughs> <laughs> also, I think I am consciously a little different around new girls, but less so. And I think that being a bit more self-conscious and aware around anyone new is probably true of a lot of people, to be fair. Yeah. No, this is true. This is not to say, by the way, that girls, girls are all bitchy and that they revel in gossip. We can safely say boys love to gossip too. Uh, Gossip is certainly not just constrained to your gender, but typically girls, girls can at times consider judgments and opinions that might go completely over boys and boy girls heads. You know, I'm just trying to say that girls, girls perhaps have these conversations more than perhaps the boys would. And I guess we'll never be able to tell because I ain't a boy. But it's perhaps a comment that I've noticed. Yeah. I think this observation about girls, girls and boys, girls, it's just a thought about how relationships we have with boys versus the ones we have with girls are different, even if we feel we love them equally, and that the people around you shape you. So essentially, this vague theory is more a reflection of how the historically gendered behaviours of women, so to be soft and amiable and caring, were and continue to be at least partially a product of societal gender segregation for want of a less extreme word but particularly socially so I think of like ladies who lunch versus the gentlemen's clubs of the Victorian area like women and men were kept separate and I think the emergence of all different kinds of female characters must somewhat come from the introduction of and then the massive increase in interaction between men and women so everyone's more able to shape themselves as they wish rather than being confined to the gender role assigned to them by their ancestors yeah yeah no for sure and also we are very aware that defining people by gender in 2020 is somewhat of an oversight and politically incorrect thing to do uh actually quite a lot of my diss will be on that so by no means do we wish to exclude anyone with this very simplistic conversation we wanted to interrogate the factors that draw someone one way or another things that have been considered stereotypically male or female are just not limited to these genders anymore Boys, girls and non-binary people can all be bitchy, can be funny or crude or caring. We are merely making a comment on a comparison across a historically two-sided polar divide. Um, But yeah, so just to kind of sum that up, perhaps, that if you think you're a girl's girl or you think you're a boy's girl or somewhere in between, that's totally Gucci. No one really cares that much. It was perhaps just a... (laughs) A little note that we made and decided to make a whole pod on it, really. But uh, having gone to uni and met a whole bunch of different personalities uh, and people from across the country and other countries and who've had different upbringings, it's perhaps more obvious to note these differences. Um, Putting people in boxes with labels is not what we're trying to do. We love the spectrum. Spectrum. (laughs) So this leads us on to our other kind of linked topic of discussion regarding how, like, new unique different kinds of people when you come to uni that you're not used to you know I always say that my mates from home are all just clones of each other uh not sure how well they'll take that but what I mean is that we've all grown up together in the local area and having spent 10 years and more with one another we've all started to sort of morph into the same person we rarely have fallouts because you would just be disagreeing with yourself and that's a waste of everyone's time uh things like our banter is all the same how people dress is the same and 
I really wouldn't change it for the world. I really wouldn't. Um, when I come home, it's like moving back to Hooville or something. Um, whereas going to uni, this is totally, <clears throat> completely not the case. And it's it's definitely a, it's a new experience with very different people from myself. And we are fortunate, actually, to have a really big group of girls in college, our 19 gal pals. Um, but within pub. that group, yeah, big up pub, um, there's such a mixture of personality types. And it's bad because some people are closer to others and that's just, you know, how life works. But it's good that we've encountered then a big array of characters maybe we hadn't before because the clashes teach us things about ourselves and each other. And pretending like you're happy families all the time is just not a real thing, you know. And also you learn to take different things from different people. Yeah. And you have one of the gals for, for one reason, may that be advice or another gal you're always guaranteed to go out with or someone else is just there for the shits and gigs, you know? Yeah, I think that was a big thing for me to learn, actually, because you, you have to kind of grow out of that primary school. You've got one best friend mentality and realise it's not a failing in you or your friends that you can't be everything someone needs from you and vice versa. You definitely just can't go around expecting that from people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I listened to a podcast on relationships and friendships. It was a while ago. I actually can't remember what it was. So now can't even recommend it. But basically, quick summary from what I seem to remember from it. It was was saying that we millennials think that we can get absolutely everything we ever need all the time from just one person, whether that be a partner or a friend, which when you think about it is just completely absurd uh you know back in the 15th century people would rely on a whole village to fulfill their personal needs um you'd have a healer a gatherer a cook a lover etc etc like so many different people with so many different roles and so it's kind of mad how we expect so much from a small number of people or even one singular person yeah that's why people say it takes a village you know it's a thing yeah and also meeting such different personalities at uni may they be big bubbly life the party characters or maybe perhaps like underappreciated listening kind of passive group members of your friendship group everyone has their own value and you kind of have to just learn to deal with different kinds of people yeah I mean this being said it has meant we are you know coming to uni you're exposed to people that you have nothing in common with you might not even really like and you don't might not share the same values which is also completely fine being at school with people I think you're shoehorned into getting along with people in your classes or houses or whatever Um, whereas at uni if you don't like someone or don't really vibe with them or gel then you just don't have to hang out with them it's very simple and I think that was definitely something I learned coming to uni uh, because I just thought everyone was friends and like life was just full of candy floss and unicorns and coming to uni you know that's just not the case and I think this is more like what adult life is you will work with people you might not like you will come across you know people's husbands or wives you don't like or whatever the situation is and that's actually fine yeah and I think that's why people one of those things you always hear when you're going to uni is I'm not friends with any of the people that I was friends with in Freshers Week because firstly that's not long enough to know someone well enough to want to be their friend but also that everyone comes into a new environment like moving to uni and everyone's so eager to make friends because you don't want to not have any that you kind of will take anyone to start with Mm. but you learn that actually you don't have to hang on to them whereas if you're at school you are closed in a very small group of people for an extended period of time whereas you get to uni and you friend someone for a week and you're like actually you're not my you know cup of tea so you'll just move on totally yeah also I think 
one comment I didn't understand when people would come back from uni was they'd say, oh, they're just not my kind of people. And that really baffled me. And I think you realise it once you've met someone that is not your kind of people, as in you just, yeah, it's just not a gel. It just doesn't click with them. And that's, you know, totally okay. And it's no one's fault and it's super sweet. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to this week's recommendations to finish the pod. Um, My first is a book because I can read. Uh, it's <laughs> humble brag. It's um, I am not your baby mother by Candice Braithwaite. So, Hilo fans can just hold their judgment for yeah, five minutes, all right? I heard about that book actually. From the like many of my reads, I got this recommendation from Dolly and Panda, and I promise I'm going to start thinking for myself soon. I swear. <laughs> Anyways, this episode from the second of June, which I also recommend along with every other episode of the Hilo, particularly the boozy Christmas specials with Dolly's homemade pantos. Um, anyway, this one included an author special interview with Candice about her new book and I was so intrigued by it. So I jumped online immediately and it looked like it was sold out everywhere. So I went to Waterstones online again, social distancing, didn't leave the house, don't worry, um, to order it because they can, you know, order books in for you. And I haven't had very long, um, and I've only read a third of it so far, but I love it. It's warm and funny and heartbreaking and such an eye, and such an eye, And such an eye-opener for me, it's things like her having to plan to move out of London when she was back, she knew she was going to have a son because she didn't want to raise a black boy in London because it was dangerous. And Anyway, I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, no, I'll have to give that a read after you. Another recommendation from me uh, along similar lines um, were, is the book How to Argue with a Racist by Adam Rutherford, uh, which is very, very good. Uh, obviously, why it's in my recommendations. Um, it gave a lot of statistical and scientific counter arguments um, to, to fire back at racists, essentially. Although at times, I will admit, I did have to go back over it um, and what was said, as it's obviously a very deep and complicated topic of discussion. So do stick with it, even if perhaps it's quite sciencey to begin with, uh, for myself, who is not a science brain at all. And one of our friends, Clem, big up Clem, shout, um, suggested that women... Shut up! <laughs> Please get rid of that. <laughs> I'm not staying in 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um... Suggested that with it um, that within our friendship group of girls at uni, formerly mentioned pub, uh, we should each buy a book, read it, and swap it so that we can all read um, an array of anti-racist educational books to keep us all informed and updated, basically. Which I thought was a great idea, Clem. Well done. Yeah, shout, shout out, Clem. That was a really good idea. And when I finish my book, I will be sending it to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so my next recommendation is a podcast. I guess, kind of radio show of sorts. It's the At Home With series on Apple Music. Um, J'adore listening to interviews about people's favourite music, obviously, hence the Desert Island Disc situation. But basically, <clears throat> this is a series where Zane Lowe, who I think is pretty cool, interviews different artists, and much like Desert Island Discs, they create a playlist that they then discuss on this radio show. Um, and they've still been doing it throughout lockdown, I don't even know if it actually started for lockdown. There's quite a lot of episodes. My personal favourite episode so far, sorry to be obvious, is Sarah Bareilles. Because oh, we'd have to do it again. Do you know what? I'm have... not actually, that's it. I'm just cutting it off there. No, no, I'm being serious. A drinking we game. have a Sarah Bareilles jar. You know when people have swear jars and every time you mention her name, you have to put a pound in and we'll go on It's not an offensive thing. <laughs> we'll go on Hollywood. Yeah, yours can be genuine. When you say genuine, we put a pound in the pot. <laughs> 
she's Louise. She's just an, um, she annoys me, and I don't even know who she is. Why does she know? What? Well, because I say it so much. Yeah. Well, she shouldn't annoy you because she's very talented, and <laughs> you're just jealous. Okay, so. I also enjoyed Brandy Carlisle's Who Is Incredible. I love her. Side note to any Grey's Anatomy fans, that song, The Story, that Callie sings in the musical episode, that's a Brandy Carlisle song. So Sorry, can I just yes. interject? What a fab name. What? Brandy Carlisle? Brandy Carlisle. It's cool, isn't it? That's pretty sick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, yeah. a pretty cool chick, not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I also love Sam Smith's because obviously Jador and Haim because throw back to like 2015 summer at latitude. Anyone see that? Anyone see that? Yeah, I was there, mate. Yeah, we've had this competition so many times. Yeah. You can just search at home with Zane Lowe in Apple Music. Sorry, it's not Apple Podcasts. Um, so you do have to have Apple Music, but I've just gone with the free trial and then I'll just like get another fake free trial and shit until I find out of them. Um, but they're all under radio episodes, so give those a go. Nice. Um, I've got another podcast to recommend. It's called You're Dead to Me, uh, hosted by Greg Jenner. It's a history podcast that is just really fun and easy to listen to about anything and everything. Uh, I really enjoyed the one about ancient Olympics and the Aztecs and their human sacrifices. Um, I know not everyone loves history. I actually adore learning about history. Uh, but it does give a broad overview of a snippet of time in history even if it's just quite interesting or useful for some quiz questions or, or some dinner party chats, you know, nothing more satisfying than just bringing up Aztecs and human sacrifices at supper and, you know, wowing the crowd. Uh, I've another book to recommend um, this week, which just bear with me. It's called In at the Deep End by Kate Davies. So Nell read this, my sister, uh, in about a day during lockdown. And we were both sunbathing outside and she was absolutely giggling away. Um, so immediately I was like, can I read that uh, after you? Uh, I honestly had no idea what the premise was. I didn't even really read the blurb, but she was giggling. So I thought that was enough. Um, and I actually thought it was an autobiography for the first chapter or so. So I really was going in pretty, pretty blind. But anyway, once you kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, it turned out to be a rather graphic lesbian sex book uh, with an emotional <laughs> abuse. No, I know, but don't laugh at this bit because so at first I was like, cool, lesbian sex. That's cool. And then suddenly sort of out of nowhere, um, it turns into this like an emotional abuse relationship plot, li- plot line. Um, so that really the emotional roller coaster was all over the gaff there um but essentially just a brief summary as I realized I may not be selling this all that well but basically this girl in her mid early 20s realized she was gay and in her story she's exploring the wild sex dungeons of London with her new hardcore lesbian lover can I just say that when you said wild sex dungeons of London I imagined people having sex in the London dungeons which makes me feel really uncomfortable because every Halloween of my childhood was spent being chased by zombies there. But now I feel a bit uncomfortable. By day, it's for children. By night, it's for hardcore lesbian lovers. There we go. They, they do exist, you know. These underground lesbian sex dungeons are very much a thing. Uh, something I would love to just pop on by to. I'm like, All right. It's some interesting stuff. It is really funny. The book is very funny. Um, But as the story goes on, the relationship between them becomes much more complicated. Sort of, actually, it's over the debate of monogamy um, and how one of them doesn't believe in monogamy and the other one is 
fundamentally a monogamist. Uh, and, you, and you do start picking up on elements of controlling behaviour. Anyway, without spoiling it too much, it is really a gripping read. Very funny, but at times very heart-wrenching um, about a girl removing herself from a situation in which she thinks she's completely in love, but actually the love is very, very toxic for her. By the way, it does end happily. Okay, just just disclose it there. Um, so definitely worth a read. Uh, also, like I said, learned a lot about lesbian sex. Um, and having finished the book, I did ask Nell um, if the book was an accurate representation of the gay community. And she said that it was nothing like her own experience. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Nell and Anna, shout out um, Anna, who I don't think has been mentioned yet. She's Yeah, Nell's shout out. She's definitely listening because we make her listen to us. Yeah, she's she's like one of the twelve fans. So the fact she's not being mentioned is yeah, let's sorry, Anna. Um, but I don't think Nell and Anna go to you know chateaus in Lyon where they have stranger sex parties, which is also what goes on in the book. We'd also like to point out that when Francis says chateau, she does not mean our humble abode in Durham. <laughs> she means actual France. Actual chateaus in France. Actual chateaus in France. Yeah, but look, the book takes you everywhere. I'm glad, I'm glad. Okay, so we're now going to move on to our word of the week. I bet you're so sad the podcast is nearly finished, but don't worry, because the word is a cracker. Um, (laughs) Our word of the week this week is mafic. That's M-A-F-F-I-C-K. And it means to celebrate with boisterous rejoicing and hilarious behaviour. This is actually my word this week. And I have a very fond memory of this word. My GCSE maths teacher, Miss Robinson, who was an angel, by the way, um, managed to get school to pay for oh, us to go to the cinema. Every Tom, Dick and Harry is getting a shout out this one. Yeah, do you know what? I, I doubt Miss Robinson's listening, but I really hope she is because I think she'd low-key love it. It's not a mention. Yeah, um, she was an angel. She basically made school pay for, for our top set maths to go to the cinema to see the imitation game when it came out as a maths trip because codes are maths, right? Uh, yeah. Um, also, she loved Benedict Cumberbatch, which is the main reason she wanted to go. And yeah, so she, she loved him so much that we got her a Benedict coloring book for Christmas. Anyway, Aww. yeah, it was actually really cute. There's one page That's where. Sweet. It was him with like an arm out to be taking someone down a red carpet, and we just drew a picture of her, and then she's a girl. So she had a word of the day calendar on her desk, and if it was your birthday, you got to keep the page. So Mafic just happened to be the word for my birthday. That's the fifth of May, in case anyone wants to send us presents. <laughs> Um, and it fit quite well because there was, you know, celebration and boisterous rejoicing in my existence. So I just thought, you know, I'll keep that, and it's just a yummy word. So. I, I, hope like you have, I hope you have a mafic weekend, everyone. Or maybe maybe it's, it's actually a verb. So it's, I hope you mafic this weekend. <laughs> no, I'm going to use that. I particularly like it, like hope you on the 4th of July when you can go to the pub. <laughs> okay, that's us once again, little crumpets. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we hope to be a little bit more consistent with our podcasting over summer. Uh, once again, we do apologise for our absence. Um, so in theory, you should be hearing much more for, from us. Uh, you're already very welcome. Um, but we hope you're all staying safe and well um, and lots of love, really. Yeah, and we want to hear what you've been up to and we'd love to get any of your recommendations. We could share a few on the gram because right now, quite frankly, you're doing a lot of taking and not a lot of giving. And whilst it's true 
that it's better to give than to receive. Everyone likes a prezi now and then, and we'd really like to feel some loving. And our Gmail is feeling pretty neglected. Yeah, can I say, I checked our Gmail when we were on holiday, and we had obviously a few spam emails from the things we're subscribed to. And we had one nice email from a man called John or Joe or Josh or something, basically saying, asking us if we wanted to pay to add ourselves to another podcasting website because it looked like we were struggling with listeners. <laughs> Joe, John, Josh, you can actually do one. We'll be fine without your I help. politely um, removed that message because it made me feel quite sad yeah. so we're just going to pretend get to do that. in the bin <laughs> get in the bin yeah, exactly. okay right on next week's pod we will be discussing student diets alcohol and drug consumption and mental health so some really nice light topics for next week so yeah. do stay tuned um but until next time stay hot stay fresh stay milky <laughs> <laughs>